yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Nice. Smell that dope when I pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today... We got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Back with us, we got Tone. And what's up? That new Jack Hustler back in town. <laughs> got a haircut and everything. Well, that the barber's just opened yesterday. That's not. Put the cart in front of the horse. I got one like three weeks ago. <laughs> don't, don't let everybody know about your bootleg haircut, man. That's that underground shit. Got the hookup. I shaved my own hair once. It came out terribly. I'm legitimately excited to uh, go get my hair cut. Right. You just want to tell the barber, like, go ahead. Give me the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going with the hot neck shave everything. The whole nine. We all got our beers, but I got something for us to try. Uh, my wife's like a real good bartender. We never got too into it, but she made us all these old fashions. I've been trying to stay away a little bit from the thick craft beers just because I'm watching my figure. <laughs> it is mankini season. So I've been trying to lean into some different shit. She made these old fashions, and it's something that I've been kind of drinking a lot lately, so I figured I'd get one so we can all try. I mean, I know, J-Bone, you've done some bartending, so you actually are yeah. familiar with them, too. But so, uh... I'm a trained mixologist for the fans at home. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's a staple, you know what I mean? Like, everybody out there listening to this, if you're too young, your mom or your grandmother, somebody, you know, the old-fashioned has been around a couple hundred years now. You know? Th- that makes me feel ridiculously old that we would have a fan base that we just told <laughs> Ask Your Mom. Uh, well, no, it's cool. It's quarantine time. It's Yeah, my dad's having a couple of fashions right now on the porch. <laughs> it's a bullet, bullet bourbon is what she used for it. I don't know. Did you try yours, Tom? Yeah, man, I like it. I don't normally bullet like it. Bullet is a pretty good like a uh, brand of uh bourbon. These are delicious. Like it's it's got the the zest of an orange. It's it's made how it's no big deal, but like I was trained in it. This is like this is what my professor showed us back in the day. Gotcha. Well, it, we we don't mention it enough. We did early on, but we got these uh Death Star ice cubes, which is an important to me, the most important part of all of our whiskey drinks. Well, and super secret, we all, we actually also have Han Solo ice cubes. Man, you weren't supposed to release that info yet. <laughs> that was that we're gonna put that behind the paywall. Yes. All the Han Solo episodes. <laughs> All right, we got some beers. J Bone, would you would you bring to drink today? Okay, by uh, Wells Brewery. I went with a banana nut bread beer. It's very delicious. It has the same identical flavor. If you can imagine what a slice of banana nut bread. It may have been on the show before, but uh, it's pretty spot on. And we like to bring you guys stuff that's new and unique, and it's very good. Whatever area you guys are in, if you hear about this, if it's in town, it's kind of expensive. It's around $6 for one individual beer, but it's well worth it just, just for the experience to try it. If you like banana nut bread, it's definitely spot. try it. It tastes cause... like that. It doesn't taste like brew at all. It tastes not like really sweet. Not overly sweet, like okay. the flavor of banana nut bread. All right, uh, Tone, what do you got to drink? I got a New Belgium uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA. Okay, so... now Voodoo Ranger's been on the cast before, but it was... Yeah, the Hazy IPA, I believe. Yeah. 
you usually drink IPAs, right? Yeah, normally, yeah. It's a 9% alcohol, yeah, so say, you got to drink 9%. that like you're drinking wine, you know? <laughs> That's not a... I, I had this talk with Tank before, like, because we're IPA guy. Like, everybody here's an IPA guy, but, uh, like, uh, he brought a couple of the big dogs, like the yeah. 9 to 11s, you know? And Tank goes through IPAs like it ain't nothing. Yeah, He's but got... it still hits you, like, if you're as big as, and strong as steel as right. a Tank. Hey, guess what? 9.8% alcohol is, like... <laughs> You know what, man? <laughs> well, look, we don't call him Tank. He's he's not the muscle for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tank smash. <laughs> in efforts to watch my figure, we made jokes about White Claw on the podcast before, and I would never bring that kind of uh, disappointment onto the podcast. It's just, you know, I keep the integrity. Yes. Keeping the integrity of the podcast is important to not drink White Claws on here. So instead, I got these Griffin Claw hard seltzers. <laughs> it's way different. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Griffin Claw's a local brewery, okay? And this is a this is a craft seltzer. It's See, the not problem a white with claw. the the white claw, there's nothing wrong with them. They're kind of delicious if you're into like New York seltzers and seltzer water. Yeah, I never had one. It's like the white claw itself, though. It's strong enough for him, but it's pH balance for his wife. <laughs> so he said, "No, I'm going Griffin Claw. That's way di- that's a little more manly." So yeah. Oh, shit. Well, you you watch though when we have the bad guy beach outing, you guys will see that it was worth all the work though. It was worth all the hard sell. Ladies, wait till the calendar comes out. Wait till you see Mister July here. All right, well uh, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy that we're covering today is Vernon Miller. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. I'm just taking a guess here, and I know this isn't part of the show time frame are we like 20s southern usa and is this a black gentleman technically you probably couldn't be more wrong i mean i mean i guess you'll see when we get there but I think... okay when a man's down you don't need to <laughs> kick him in the face it turns out a lot of times he went by Vern. i'll probably call him vernon most of the time because i don't know why i like it plus anytime i say Vern, it reminds me of uh reminds me of ernest <laughs> that's what it was i couldn't think of it. ernest you know what i mean Vern? you know what i mean Vern? <laughs> Hey, uh, Ernest, you know, obviously they got out of control with that stuff, but the original, Ernest right. Goes to Camp. Right. Oh, yeah. That right. wasn't too bad, man. Sure. It's kind of like... Mr. Bean? Yeah, it's it's timeless. Yeah. Like, it's from that, like, like say, 86 or whenever the hell that is, like, way back. And you the, the kid now, the seven, eight-year-old now would laugh at that shit. Like, he's yeah. just a goofy... Now, not the 27th one where Ernest goes to the moon or whatever. Like, yeah, they yeah. had them all. Like, Ernest, Ernest saves Christmas. <laughs> Ernest robs a bank. Ernest fucking... When does know, everybody always end up on, in the moon? I'm telling you, man. In the meantime, the people that haven't, Fast and the Furious, we still ain't touched space yet? Come on, man. Let's get there. That's that's next. So no. you're telling me Elon Musk built me this rocket, but I can't take it anywhere in the universe? Oh, shut the fuck up. So Fast and the Furious, they started off robbing... TV DVD combos, you know what I mean? Like in the first episode, and now they've gotten they've escalated to a point like selling nukes. Yeah, like the next Fast and Furious, they're fighting the Avengers. <laughs> you, you <laughs> Is know there I mean? not one where there's like a rocket in a in the back of a semi, and the rocks like gotta like mount the rocket and steer it or something? It's something ridiculous. It's like. Yes, that, well they're they're in Siberia. Tyrese has his Lamborghini on the frozen ice, and yeah, at some point the rock jumps out to steer the nuke, but. I mean, well, that's only realistic <laughs> because, like, not the nuke part and nobody wow. steers them, but, like... If we had to pick one real human in this world to have to try to steer a nuke, yeah, clearly that would be The Rock, right? It would. It would yeah, have to be The Rock. that's a t-shirt uh, in my head, like, without, like, if that movie never existed, you could just see his big muscular ass on there, like, <laughs> you know, like, steering... 
uh, that Hathor Bjornsson would probably be the obvious check because he's the world's strongest man, the, the mountain. But that's pure strength. We're not caber tossing. We're not throwing a telephone pole up over our chest. We're steering a fucking nuke. So I go with more like I need that rock charismatic yeah, trust. Exactly. The only one else who could do it. He's a little old now. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, eighty four. Oh, yeah. Arnold. If this was like a little bit like if this was in Ernest's time, he you would know st- what I mean, Vern? Yeah. <laughs> Smack the rock out of his way and then steer that nuke. Yeah, he probably would. Vernon Vernon Miller, right off the bat, we start to a rocky start because so the given year he was born is August 25th, 1896, but I've also seen it as 1895. But honestly, having done the research, doing the research, I think it would actually be 1900. But either way, this is pre-birth certificate. So like there are four year discrepancy. It's not that no jokes, all jokes aside. I mean, like there's no, it's not that crazy. Like he was for sure born in Kimball, South Dakota. We know that. In 1914, after his parents split up, he moved to Huron, South Dakota to live with his uncle. This is another one of the things that tells me that his birthday was probably closer to 1900. Because 1914, if, you know, if you're born in 1896, you're 18 years old, your parents split up. You're not going to go move in with your uncle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, the end of 1800s into early 1900s, if you're 18, you're probably on your third job and your fourth marriage. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your life's half over. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yeah, you're right, right, spot on with your deduction of how you would got to that. Like, hey, it's probably more like 1900. He got a job as a mechanic, and he was described as he was tall and blonde. You see why totally I Totally different than what I described earlier. You're right. He's born in the Dakotas, and he's tall and blonde. In 1916, he enlisted in the Army. Now, here's another thing. As I said, he lied about his age to join the military. So this is why I he think— He would have had to say he was younger, like, if he was born in— 1896. So I think the reason that we have 1896 as a date is that's the date he lied about in order to say that he's old enough. And then being in the military, that would be like the official record. Right. What we have on record if we don't have a birth certificate. certificate. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it makes real good sense. So I do know for sure that he lied about his age to join the military in 1916. Those two reasons right there, going to stay with his uncle, then lying about his age to get into the military is what makes me think that he was probably actually born in 1900 and 1896 was a year he lied about at some point. Damn, I mean, he would have had to look at least somewhat around that age, right? So, I mean, Yeah, if you're 16 trying to say you're 18, you can't really be like 11 trying to say you're 18. Right. Like, dickhead. You can't do it nowadays, but even in like Korea, my grandpa lied about his age to get that. My I mean, that's gra- not- my my grandpa too uh lied to get in the navy. He was 16, and you didn't have to be 18, he was 16, said he was 17, and they took him. Right. And he got, you know, he was in WW2 and all that, but, like, uh, because... So, that's what lied. I'm saying. Like, if people are lying in the 40s and the 50s, they for sure, you know, they were sure so Side it. note, kids at home, like, I think this is why birth certificates were made, because, like, like hey, fuck. This is, like, a really old man edition yeah. of Say Hello to we're the We're drinking old fashions and wondering, well, like, hey, man, back in the day, you could just lie and say, like, yeah, I want to be in the Army. I want to be in... And, you know, they, they didn't care. They probably knew. You think some of the recruiters back we then... We need a right? body and a gun. Yeah, sure. Come on. <laughs> You're 18. 
got to get the Nazis. <laughs> right. Well, especially anytime we're at war, you don't got to lie too hard. <laughs> well, no, look at modern times there. in 2020 go, okay. if we're going to fuck with Syria or somebody else. Hey, man, they're taking 37-year-olds. Remember when that was too old to be in the Army, guys? You're 400 pounds. You know what? You could do some push-ups. Just come out. Hey, we'll take you. <laughs> you well, they do have a military fat camp that you could get in shape. and It's th- run by Richard Simmons. <laughs> And they, they do do to 37, but you could still get a waiver and oh. join the military older if, if it's what you wanted to well, do. It's like now, say you're a recruiter, like, hey, dude, I'm 42, but I want to say I'm 38, hey, man. Like I said earlier, we need a body and a gun. He joins the army. He becomes proficient in most firearms. Uh, he's seen action on the Mexican border during the Mexican expedition against Pancho Villa's forces. Yes. This one with the drink, like, it's very appropriate. Like, <laughs> like when I was reading Pancho that. Pancho Villa is, like, so Pancho back in my, Villa. like, that's taking me back in my head, like, movie-wise to, like, Young Guns type deal. Reading that and hearing he's seen action on the Mexican borders. Okay, well, there's ten more things I got to Google. Like, what are you talking about? He's seen action on the, Me- turns out, Mexican expedition. We had action on the Mexican border. Yeah. And we weren't good at it. Pancho Villa was kicking the shit out of us. Yeah. Seen some action in Mexico, and then World War One kicks off, and he ends up serving in France during World War One in the 18th Army Regiment. Well, that's some real trench war shit. I mean, most people, it's commonly agreed World War One is like the grossest of all the combat yeah. wars you could have been in. Yeah. D-Day was rough, but trench warfare, ugh. you know, using your bu- using your buddy as a pillow while you cook a rats, that's fucked up. Or ten of your closest homies, like, well, they're passed on, and we're out of sandbags, build a fucking, like, a bullet wall, like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he attains the rank of sergeant. He was wounded several times and gassed a couple times, which led to lung issues, which would stick with him for the rest of his life. That must have gassed some tough ass shit. Well, I mean, apparently Vernon Miller is too, because he got gassed twice. Yeah. I read something that said he got the French Medal of Honor, but I, I couldn't confirm that. But maybe he did. I like yeah. to think he did. Sergeant Miller, the war hero. He gets honorably discharged from the military and he returned to Huron, South Dakota, where he got a job as a police officer. He would spend his free time fishing and boxing, and although he was a skilled boxer, his lung issue severely limited any potential. So he basically learned how to fight. Cause With he, one lung. Yeah, because he couldn't box. He couldn't profession that. In May of 1920, he left the police force and ran for sheriff of Beetle County, and he won. And with, with Prohibition just starting up, he busted 10 moonshine stills in his first 18 months as sheriff. A lot of these uh, bad guys... Back then, like the 1900s and shit like that, they all became like sheriffs and shit. Yeah. Chavez. (laughs) And if you further connect the dots, the Dakotas and all down south became sheriffs and were heavily involved in moonshine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They were the guys fighting prohibition, also bringing you the best hooch that you can get in your speakeasies. Right, because they confiscate and all that shit. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of the times it was who's willing to yank their piece and fucking. If you can't beat them, fucking go into business with them. So yeah, a lot of these guys started off in law enforcement because they were just the guys that were, they were willing to fight. They were willing to shoot it out. I think there's a line in Departed. He says something like, you know, between a cop and a criminal, when a, when a gun's pointed at you, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, it's true. Right. Like, oh, the whole, like, there's deeper to that too. Like the morality, like say you, I'm the baddest bad guy to be on this podcast and you're the best cop. You're psychoactive at some point, but your hard on is forgetting guys like us. You're just as crazy as the bad. The the line between your morality and my lack of morality is the only thing that separates us. And we're almost the same dude. We're yin and yang of one big badass bad guy. You're the best. You're the angel on the shoulder. I'm the devil. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the best killer. You're the best cop. But inside the best cop, there's some rage, anger, things you wouldn't like about your, the shadow of you. You know what I mean? Right. It's the- Also over here, as the, say I'm El Capone or the greatest 
killer whatever like there's good in that guy there's a bluebird in there somewhere there's duality of man like the two sides of the same coin you know i think that the scene in heat like see you went on this like well-worded monologue and i think yeah in heat when robert de niro and el pacino was at the table together motherfucker you're either gonna be real good or you're gonna be a fucking (laughs) piece of shit but i mean that's kind of what that scene is right that's them two kind of showing like hey we're just the same dude just on different teams basically you're the robber quarterback i'm the police officer quarterback and you but we're still doing Departed, the same thing and we just right. mentioned uh, tied it into another that's in every movie every book every you know like he said the duality that's in us in our dna like fuck right. i think the shield of achilles is supposed to represent mm-hmm. the duality man so i'm talking about heat <laughs> that shit goes yeah. back to well now you know like i mean you're just getting back to your gunther your meatheadedness like it's still the same deep artistic look and uh, spiritual look at it but like hey like i said we learned from fred flintstone the dallas cowboys and fucking banana beer okay right and i think not fucking complex dudes okay i think most people listening to this podcast would rather discuss heat than the shield of achilles anyways and if they wouldn't meet us in the middle because we're doing both you know what i mean (laughs) duality In 1921, a young farm boy was killed by members of the Industrial Workers of the World Union, which a lot of people might have heard of it. They're referred to mostly as they're called the Wobblies. So the Wobblies killed like this young local farm boy. Vernon Miller infiltrated the organization. So he infiltrated the organization as a homeless man, but it's all old uh, resources. So it said he infiltrated the organization as a hobo. Remember, we could just call people hobos and shit. <laughs> yes. Hey, get out of here, you hobo. Well, yeah, who, who the hell's didn't get a picture of a guy with a, a stick with a sack tied right. on it with right. his, all of his belongings in the side? Like... And and honestly, that's more quaint because I guess a, a hobo with a bindle, as a, I mean, nowadays they have like shopping carts and, you yeah. know. Sign. That yeah. was a hobo right was kind of a traveling man because you like you were a boxcar <laughs> willy. You would hitch a train in Houston, coming back east, gravel and fucking you know do do little hustles in New York until the till it gets cold. Till, till they kicked you out. Like hey, you play the shell game here. You're on our corner. Get now I hitch the train back and I get off in Detroit. And then the purple gang pissed me off, you know, so I, now I hit, I'm going a little further west. I'm in Chicago. So they were kind of traveling bums, if you will. That's what a hobo means. But like with more uh, a sense of adventure, like more like a, a hobbit meets a bum. You know? A bum. <laughs> so now we've used them all. Homeless, hobo, bum. Get a job, you bum. Yeah. <laughs> Vagrants. <laughs> he was never able to arrest the killer, but he got one man arrested in connection to the murder. But after this... He started to develop a reputation for being quick when his gun. He would sometimes even fire at cars as a warning shot for speeding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear you guys bitching about the speed traps or fucking nothing like that. He's getting a little uh, little trigger happy. Like, oh, well, what? This predates the radar gun. So what the fuck? Like uh, with your eye, you just figured I was going too fast. (laughs) Slow down, boy. I was doing the speed limit. How, how do either of us going know? Back yeah. <laughs> how, how fast does a car go, period? Right. <laughs> Let yeah. alone through your little backwoods town. But yeah, shooting off warning shots for speeding. Uh, that, That's just wanting to fire your gun. Yeah. You fucking, that that fucking definitely shot my wife. Well, slow down, asshole. <laughs> that definitely checks out as trigger happy. See, people, the police was doing this shit back then as well. Exactly. <laughs> In July 1922... He told his deputies he was going to Washington to get some treatments for his lungs, and they never seen him again. A while after that, and they're like, oh, well, what the fuck happened to boss? You know, where'd a sheriff go? And that's when they realized that he had stolen $6,000 from county money. Within a year, he was arrested in Minnesota, and he was found guilty of embezzlement and sentenced to two to ten years in South Dakota State Penitentiary. 
which was a house with a deadbolt. It's the weirdest turn. He was a good soldier, seemed like a you know a good cop or a good sheriff or whatever. I mean, we don't know that honestly because we don't know him. Well, but... since he was shooting at possible speeder, alleged speeders, I don't think he was a good cop at all. Like, well, no, I think hey. it, it seemed like it was just a, a odd switch. You know yeah. what I mean? It seemed like he's a good cop, and then all of a sudden he's firing off his fucking gun well, I know and what stealing saying. money I feel and what shit. Because the thiefdom never like stealing that type of bad guy maybe you're a little aggressive with your speeding policy but like a thief like a bad guy you he's probably just been doing it the whole time and just finally got caught right probably and we just don't hear about it i mean especially then because if you could cover shit up now in the 1920s there's no internet no reporters you know there's probably like a paper that so of that 25 grand that's missing they're like yeah man he took up to six thousand dollars this dude's been like down low real good at it for a couple years i mean i'm sure it happens i mean you may change to the worst but you know you don't just gradually start getting (laughs) shitty (laughs) right you go in there shitty and just do it quietly yeah, you just get sloppy. Well, I mean, I think they have almost any time someone gets caught with something. It's not the first time they did it. It's just the first time they got caught. Right. So he was a model prisoner, and soon he became the warden's personal chauffeur. Hmm. After only 18 months, he was paroled, and he worked as a farmhand for $70 a month until the terms of his parole were up in 1925. $70 a month. Not much less than today's wages, because <laughs> we're all working slobs. <laughs> He really hated working as a laborer, and you can't go back into law enforcement. So he just kind of fell into bootlegging, which probably goes to what we were saying earlier. He probably didn't fall into it. He probably was fucking with some bootlegging before. and Probably ties into that, how he's a chauffeur for the fucking warden. <laughs> he's chauffeuring his fucking hooch around like, yeah, I got fucking 18 cases of whiskey here. I need to <laughs> take over the Indian reservation Okay, yeah, he, so he's a chauffeur for the warden who needs to be driven around. Okay. Yeah, the, where, where does the fucking warden go in? <laughs> Who's he, Andy Dufresne? Like, Andy I do his Dufresne. fucking accountant now. Like. <laughs> so the next summer, he witnesses a female carnival worker named V. Mathis being harassed, and he comes and helps her out, and the two fall in love, and they become inseparable. Well, you know it's true love when you find it at a carnival. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead with the story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing says true love like finding a carny. <laughs> Vernon escalates his work as a bootlegger. He earns some affiliations with the Chicago outfit, and he's also connected to some local bank robberies. He was very successful operating in small towns, and he made a ton of money, and he would sometimes moonlight as a gun for hire. Elegantly wording, like, how he fell into, you know, some work with the Chicago outfit. He was pretty handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. Um, like, So this dude, yeah, he's a bad guy. He's just like, he's putting it, like, he's telling you how his story's being told. It's like it's on a resume. You know, it has a little aggressive, uh, you know, traffic stop. No, dude, he was shooting at speeders. Let's tell the truth here. It's like me if I wanted, if I'm this bad guy and I'm trying to tell you guys. And then I went on LinkedIn and the Chicago outfit put me up with a little money. And... <laughs> I so want to change my LinkedIn. <laughs> I hooked uh, up with the Chicago outfit, and they uh, they put me up. Good guys there, you know? So by the late 20s, he became a heavy drug user, and it turned out he was suffering from late stages of untreated syphilis. The combination uh, led to him beginning to act irrationally, and he was prone to violent outbursts. Yeah. Did you see that Capone movie? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, the Tom Hardy one. But where he, I was just going to say it's parallel, and now probably where he's tripping out, 
Like, because if you get syphilis, you're getting the yeah, dementia. And you realize like, how syphilis affects you. Yeah. That's why I seen that movie. Well, that's why after, like, not just to delve off into Capone's story of hair, like, when he gets that crazy, they're like, we, he's guilty as fuck. No use locking him up. Let him go live by his pool. He's harmless at this. He's not going to, he's not going back to the outfit anytime soon. <laughs> like, he's good. So I feel for this guy here, I feel for Vern now, like, it's only going to get worse from right. this story, yeah. so. February 1928, he's at the Cotton Club in Minneapolis. He's involved in a fight, which leads to him pulling a gun and wounding several police officers in a gunfight. The case was dropped due to lack of evidence, and then a couple months later, he gets involved in another shooting where he shoots a prohibition agent. Ooh. I guess he's been there, but yeah, he's quick to bust out some shots at somebody. It goes south when you shoot at a cop or injure the cop, but like that prohibition officer, that's the preamble to the feds. Like Mm -hmm. that's like today, if you shot an FBI agent, you're pretty fucked if you shoot a city cop. Let's just be fair. Like if you shoot a fed, you're you're getting Epstein somewhere, asshole, and it ain't going to be fucking quick. They're going to bury you in the Silverstein suite. By 1930, he's predominantly working as a gun for hire, and he finds out one of his former associates and close friends, Eugene Red McLaughlin, was killed by a couple of Capone gunmen and had his body thrown in a canal. So he throws a shit fit. He tracks down the three responsible guys to a hotel in Fox Lake, Illinois, where they were at like kind of a dinner party type setup. Um, On May 31st, 1930th, he opened fire into a group of mob associates and their female companions. Uh, Michael Quirt, Sam Peller, and Joseph Birch were killed. Uh, George Druggan and Vivian McInnes were both seriously wounded. Uh, this is now known as the Fox Lake Massacre and is often it's often credited to the Northside Gang, but is actually Vern. a Vern Miller. So this is a picture of the aftermath. Uh, this is a picture of the people, the guys that the gangsters that were shot, and then that's like an artist rendering down there at the bottom. Shot everybody. Wet the party up, even the bitches. Because it looks like he actually just did it through the window. Yeah. Lexa just caught him in a room, machine gunned the whole room through a window. As Fatal would say, he wet the party up. He wet the party up. <laughs> <laughs> he starts working for a gang of bank robbers. And I thought this was important because this gang of bank robbers he works with, it's got to be the, the collection of some of the best nicknames I've ever heard in a gang. So it was ran by Harvey, the Dean of American Bank Robbers, Bailey. <laughs> nice. Frank Jelly Nash. <laughs> and then uh george machine gun kelly who oh, we all nice. know yes that's when you know it's some nicknames when george machine gun kelly is the third best the third yeah and he might well, even come behind Vern. but like fucking the dean of fucking uh serial killer federation like uh <laughs> god damn like i didn't know bank robbers were something that constituted a dean i thought you had to be a good like an institution hey I- folks i'm officially changing my name to jay the professor of pain bone <laughs> The dean of fucking associated kill, and I like how once again when he gets with the fucking the name gang, like, and he picks up some work with some train robber, like it's he's not getting a fucking like, he's not a free agent, like, and he signed with the Clippers. He's a he's a crazy gangster. He caught on with a little worker with the Chicago outfit, like. So he's a gangster. No, no, he's he's the warden chauffeur. Should not read the resume right. So on July 15, 1930, they did a daylight bank robbery of a bank in Wilmer, Minnesota, and they got away with $70,000. Couple million in today's money. 70,000. Hold on, let me. Seems like it translates to uh, about a million 74,000. That's a haul. Yeah. Yeah. So they pull off 70,000, but afterwards, he thinks a few of the gang members are trying to double cross him. Well, and... I've seen this in Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to bring it back. You're fucking bringing it. You out here buying Cadillacs for coats? <laughs> Told you to fucking lay low. 
You're going to bring it back. Vernon Miller empties his machine guns into Frank Weenie Coleman, Mike Rusick, and the Jew Sammy Steen, killing all three of them. Again with the names. The like Jew it. Sammy Steen. That wasn't that guy's nickname. This dude's just anti-Semitic. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Jimmy Jelly fucking Jablonski. Like, Jelly wasn't his real fucking name. Like, he just <laughs> thought he was a fat piece of shit. So it, in that same gang, you got Frank Jelly Nash and Frank Weenie Coleman. Weenie. <laughs> like, like, of all the nicknames, this guy's Machine Gun Kelly. Why I gotta be Weenie? He's the dean of bank robbers. Weenie Jelly, I need you guys. Where's Buns at? Yeah. <laughs> Honey, Buns, over here now. <laughs> Despite this killing, and I don't know what the deal with this is, but despite gunning down these three guys after the robbery, uh, the gang continued to work with them. Maybe those guys were really double-crossing them, or if he was just that scary, or whatever the fucking deal was. But the rest of that gang continued to work with Vernon Miller after he goes on one robbery with them, kills half the gang afterwards. And they're like, ah, it's cool, man, we're good. Go into the warehouse. Go, yeah, make that, go, in, go inside. No, back further. Go, but you know what did, like, no comedy here? Like, working with the Chicago outfit, driving for the warden, whatever. There's got to be something that's lost in the story about his charisma, because you're with the fucking train robbing nickname bandit. You're with the big wigs of whatever the fucking underworld is, and they're not very trusting people by nature. Yeah. And you can only be one. You can only be... One national, you can be an Irish guy, you can be an Italian guy, you can be, he's working with all these, he's with the mix, he's with them all, like, he's with Jimmy the Jew fucking Steinberg, or whatever, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. everybody likes this dude. Alright, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Just real quick, I want to ask you to go subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. If you got Apple iTunes, go leave us a five-star rating and a review. We'll read it on the air, and it really helps out the show. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or someone that you want to recommend that we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com, and you can follow us on social media at badguypodcast on Instagram, where we post all the pictures that we talk about on the show. And now we're on Twitter at the Bad Guy Pod. We also have the new website put together by DC the Mastermind, 
at badguypodcast.com. You can go check that out. It's got links to the shows, listener reviews, and you can see a sneak preview of the future merch we're looking at doing. Please support the show contributors. So Sixfo Swaino, who lets us use his music in the intro. Go subscribe to his YouTube and follow him on social media. And then Cancer, who did our cover art. You can follow him at Eyes Bleed Defiance on, on Instagram. And there he's got all his art, photography, and graphic art. If any of you guys are looking for another podcast, you can go check out my boy Dustin at Ryan Reynolds, where he basically reviews different Ryan Reynolds movies. I got an opportunity to be a guest on there where we cover the movie Smoke and Aces, which is an ensemble cast uh, kind of set around the Las Vegas La Costa Nostra. So go check them out. And on today's episode, for the first time, I'm real excited. We're going to end it with a new song by a new friend of the show, Nitro Active. It's a song called Rocket Talk. Uh, he's a super talented up-and-coming artist out of L.A. You can go follow him on Instagram at Nitro Active and also subscribe to his YouTube channel. Go check him out. Support local artists. All right, now back to the show. <laughs> all right, and we're back. I know we all smashed them, but the old fashions, that's a fucking oh, hit. on point. Yeah, classic. The, the last episode release you'd heard on the Yves Trudeau episode, I kind of mentioned on there that, that whiskey hits a little different. Yes. So, yes, it does. So if the second half of the podcast gets a little off the rails, I'm just warning you in advance. <laughs> Turn down for what, fans? Turn down for what? That's the say hello to the bad guy credo, that whiskey yes. hits a little different. All right, so we left off. He kind of went to bank robbing and sometimes <laughs> killing his other fellow bank robbers. He continues to operate with his gang for several more jobs. They robbed a bank in Ottumwa, Iowa. They got $40,000 on September 9th, 1930. So we did a, mil- a math on a million earlier. That's like another half it's, a million. Yeah, at least. And then they hit a bank in Sherman, Texas on April 18th, 1931, which got them another $40,000. Put them over the million mark again. They're, they're kind of rolling in, you know, hand over fist. On December 16th, 1932, during a bank robbery in Minneapolis, uh, two policemen were killed by the gang. After this, he decides to move away from Robin Banks and just focus on his career as a gun for hire. <laughs> I, I view it as focusing on not trying to get caught for them two cops. It's, I mean, I feel like it's a mantra. Yes. You, you say it all the time, but... Once once a law enforcement loses his life, like earlier in the show where a couple got grazed or shot at or, fuck, in the beginning of the show, speeders were getting shot at. But right. uh, once a cop loses his life in 1896... Or 2021, it's not the end of the They're story coming. instantly, but like your whole life, like how the story says, well, and you just wanted to continue to be a gun for hire. Like, no, he's on the run for the rest of his story. Forever. Forever. Yes. yes. He maintained contact with that gang, and then he still had some connections with Chicago. Uh, that would help him pick up side work. Well, on June 17th, 1933, he gets hired to pull a job with two other gunmen. The other one of which was uh, Charles Pretty Boy Floyd. The job was to break one of his former associates, Frank Jelly Nash. He had got caught, and he was being transferred to Leavenworth by federal agents. So they were going to go bust him out while he's getting transferred. So they're sending him on a train. They're going to pick him up by a car. Everything goes according to plan. They get him off the train. They're getting him in the car. And it seems like there was some kind of weird situation where the cops were arguing over where they are going to make this guy sit. But as they're kind of getting in the car ready to go, they see two gunmen running up. Witnesses at the scene said they heard the gunman yell, let him have it, and they basically just opened up their machine guns on the car. In the ensuing gunfight, it ended with the death of four law enforcement officers. Two more were wounded, one of which was shot in the back and paralyzed. Frank Nash was also shot in the head and killed. 
botched uh, escape attempt. Yeah, and I don't know if you if two machine gunners open up into a car that he's in. I don't know how that ever translate to. What I was struck by too is let him have it. It's almost like we're. I was gonna ask you. Seems like they were coming to finish him off, so he didn't get to Leavenworth, not bust him out. My guess, this is speculative, just like the same thing with the age. I don't know. To me, I feel like they were more worried about him talking or something. That's what I said. They were The gunmen were there to get him, not bust him out, like make sure he don't get to Leavenworth. And the cops were just casualties. Anytime you hear the story, it'll always say that the plan was to break him out. But it really seems like they all got in the car and two gunmen just came out and op- opened up into the car. This event now is known as the Kansas City Massacre. I think when we first started doing this podcast, we all heard of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Turns out there's a whole lot more massacres oh, out the there. the Florian Inn Massacre, the fucking... Yeah, the Collinswood yeah. Massacre. But Vern Miller himself in on two of them. Fox yeah. Trail and, uh, you know, now the Kansas City. Um, He's rubbing shoulder. He's working, catching on work. Not only is he charismatic, these are the who's who of... You're touching on names that would be, like, almost... Some guy's almost too big to do one of the bad guy casts on it sounds like a resume like we picked up work with the chicago outfit he wants to continue you know he wants to retire from this the dean of mean fucking train bank robbery scheme but uh he wants to stay in close communications with who stays in touch in the underworld who stays in touch with motherfuckers after when i burn you when i'm done with you like what we're dead in prison or we dissolve our relationship like nobody well you know he retired from the dean of mean fucking train robbing scheme but yeah, so he's got the Dinamine, he's got Machine Gun Kelly, now Pretty Boy. Pretty Boy was like Pretty one Boy of the... Floyd. Worked with some names, if, yeah. not, if nothing else. What's the saying? Uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's the Vernon Miller story. Fuck, did you crash some weddings, my dude? Did you crash <laughs> some weddings? So at this point, he's full on on the run. So he flees to New Jersey, where he gets held up. He hides out with a longtime associate, Abner Longies Willman. So he's hanging out there, and after a brief stay, he gets into an argument with one of uh, Zwillman's gunmen and guns him down on October 23rd and then had to go back on the road. I think at some point, you know what? Maybe it's you. <laughs> well, even right there, he kills homeboy's fucking Jewish friend and like, well, so now he's got to go back on the road. He's not going on business trip tours. He's like, so he's running for his life. But like, I love the way the people that wrote his story are like, you know, so he put in an application with Murder, Inc. Hey, no, he's a hitman. He's a gangster. Well, he's in that fucking world. He's that dude. Well, no, he caught on work with so-and-so. Like, well, <laughs> they don't hire fucking schleps. I wrote the story, man. I mean, I didn't... Well, no, I like, didn't... You're, you're... I know you wrote it, but, like, how it's worded like that, like, that's not your interpretation. It's worded like that. Like, somewhere along the research, it's like, he caught on work with the Chicago outfit, like... Yes. Well, no, I legitimately read it all and then bust it out. Like, I no, fuck you, man. Well, no, I mean, you're, sell- <laughs> you're selling them good. He's Let's, fucking... I'll break this band up right here, <laughs> right now, in front of everybody. This is my last song, bro. <laughs> Every time, get, get you new... back on the stage. Get a new fucking lead keyboard player, okay? <laughs> so say hello to the bad guys. Say, say goodbye to J-Bone, everybody. <laughs> Grouchy-ass motherfucker. He briefly hides out at his girlfriend Vi's apartment in Chicago, but he's quickly spotted and was almost captured by federal agents on November 1st, and he escapes in a gunfight. Lucky as well as charismatic, because he's yeah. been in some of these where he just... He's a soldier, man, yeah, right? I'm he's an army him. guy. Yeah. He's just... 
Because all of this, jumping. way back in the story, he got mustard gassed, and he's doing, he's beating people's ass with one lung tie behind his back, okay? <laughs> one month later, on November 29th, his body was found in a ditch outside of Detroit. His body was badly mangled, it was beaten from head to toe with a claw hammer, and strangled with a clothesline. Hate to be a homer, but you don't fuck around in the D. Now, see, you go on. I don't care who did your resume, asshole. You go on and catch on with the Chicago outfit, and you fucking, you run fucking here on fucking North Dakota, and you do fucking what you do. Well, you come to, you go down Seven Mile in 2004, and you get that ass whooped. <laughs> he did all this shit. He's a, he's with Machine Gun so-and-so and fucking... Pretty Jack boy, kill. yeah. <laughs> fucking come to Detroit, like yeah, they. <laughs> pip, pip. He didn't make it a month. No. His body was transferred to Huron, South Dakota, where they refused to remember him as a vicious gunman, and instead remembered him as a dutiful sheriff and war hero. He was given a full military funeral. <laughs> He's beyond charismatic. He's fucking. <laughs> God damn. He got taps. He got the 21 gun salute. Man, he got his fucking star in Hollywood, like on the walk. Like right. he's good. All right, that's the story of Vernon Miller. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So if we're going to cover... Oh, wait. Hold on. I didn't have this extra picture. Uh-oh. My bad. Like the Bonnie and Clyde cars. So, yeah, this, this was the uh, Kansas City Massacre. These are the cars they shot up. Yeah, it doesn't look, to me, just off the photos, folks, it doesn't look like a, a bust-out escape attempt. It looks like hit everybody that's there, cops and prisoners. Like destroy both. Like both of those cars are... Not much left there. Yeah. So If, if people at home know what Swiss cheese looks like, yeah, that's what these two old-time cars look like. Model if you've seen any of the Bonnie cheese. and Clyde movies, like the end scene, like this is that car. Like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Bonnie and Clyde, the uh, Jack McGurn had one. Sonny and fucking Godfather when they get him at the turnpike. Yeah, one of them cars. So if we were going to pick someone else to cover from the story of Vern Miller, who do you think we would play? Uh, who, do you, who else do you think we'd cover? I only got like 20, like uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, <laughs> fucking Machine Gun Nelson. No, I like just being trippy. Like if you don't mind me going first tone, I'm going to go oddball because we do. I purposely went the way the show goes. We don't do super popular people. Like, I would go with maybe the warden he was chauffeur for, even though he's nameless. Mm -hmm. Just because I made that up, I freelanced like that. They were moonshining, whatever. I'm sure there's some interesting story, but, like, outside of the Chicago outfit, you can almost fill in the name. Like, anybody this dude touched is going to be somebody, because he only fucking... He's the Claude Lemieux of fucking gangsters. He only went to Stanley Cup winning teams. Why not get into train robbing? Oh, you're the dean professor of train robbing? I'm rolling with you. Yeah. And I don't like the way you guys did it, so I killed half your crew. But, hey, here's my business card. Keep Dude, in touch. All right. Well, and now they need you because you killed half their cute crew. What about you, Tone? You got anybody in mind? Uh, probably Machine Gun Kelly. Um, the Rap Devil? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. We talked a little bit about Machine Gun Kelly in the James Lucas episode. Mm -hmm. uh, they were in Alcatraz together. Machine Gun Kelly, as badass as he was and as gangster as he was, when he was in Alcatraz, the prisoners there, they called him Pop Gun Kelly because they said he was mostly, like, you know, he was selling wolf tickets and he would talk a lot, but he was like a model prisoner. And um, So on the streets, you're Machine Gun Kelly, but in here, you going to eat your cornbread, boy? <laughs> <laughs> so two guys that it looks like, like you said, there's a million but guys that I didn't know going into it that had interesting stories would, on, upon some research were 
the dean of American bank robbers. I mean, there's a little bit of story there. And then uh, Jelly Nash. For a guy that we just know kicked around a little bit and then got lit up in the back of a car, he's got a little story there, too. Nice. Okay. Nice. So this one, the story, there's all kinds of like innuendo in there, but I think I feel like as we went, th- as we told the story, I kind of hit on what I thought versus what's actually reported. Great thing with Legend has it is I could just post the best of anything I find, just kind of randomly, you know. Mm-hmm. Legend has it that Vernon was a real good cop and was on the straight and narrow, but he had a real problems with PTSD coming back from World War One. Okay. When he went undercover with these wobblies to try and get the guy that killed uh, the little boy. He wasn't able to come up with enough evidence to convict the guy, and they say that he took him out into the woods and killed him execution style, and was never the same after that. I don't know if that's true, but legend has it, he executed the wobbly that killed the little boy because he wasn't able to find enough evidence to uh, convict him. Well, if he felt like he did it. (laughs) Right. I mean, we've seen he'll kill, he'll kill a whole crew of people because he thinks you might have double-crossed him. He'll for sure kill you if he thinks you're the guy. Right. Fuck. If you speed through his town in a 25-mile-an-hour <laughs> zone, he don't care if he hits you or not. You're getting shot at. You guys haven't seen any pictures of him yet. But if we were going to cast a movie about Vern Miller, who would you cast to play him? Okay, I'm going to just... The description he gave earlier was like... He was known as like the blonde, like the golden boy... And I know a million blonde hair guys, but to fit that time and like from maybe his snatch role, I'm going to go like a Brad Pitt. Blonde hair, good looking. And I would imagine this guy, when we see a pick, isn't going to be like a real grizzled, like a, more of a, like, okay, I say Brad Pitt. He's not going to, I think he's not going to look like Jason Statham because he's a golden boy. He's good looking. He's to talk to all these gangsters. You know what I mean? Like he's got to have some looks have to be a little bit in there. So I'm going to say Brad Pitt. That's funny because uh, I went completely the opposite. You think you he's said, like be a handsome gritty? dude. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, uh, I, I'm picturing the snaggle tooth dude. Just be, I don't know. Mainly because the name Vernon right on, but, uh, the guy from, uh, the Watchmen TV series, the guy that played the, uh, he had the mask on. Uh... The character you're talking about was Looking Glass. Uh, he was played by... Where do I have his name popping up? Uh, Tim Blake. I mean, I can see that. Like a South Dakota. He plays a country guy. And for his crazy look, the Looking Glass, he was a smart character. I could definitely see that. Well, here you go. I got a couple pictures of him here. So these are the pictures of Vernon Miller. Toshiba? He looks like Toshiba? Man, this really is falling apart quick. Well, because whiskey hits different. (laughs) Sometimes you double-click when you don't need to. All right, so this is Vernon Miller. Hmm. Okay, you don't look like that guy or Brad Pitt. (laughs) He looks like Powder from the 1995 mood. (laughs) Powder. I don't know. Seeing him kind of like a Jared Leto, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Christopher Walken. Kind of scary looking, like, you know what I mean? Like, not being funny. Like, he, yeah, he's, you de- wouldn't he's see definitely got intim- walking out of the woods, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's got an intimidating look. He looks tall. He looks like a, like a actor that will play like a German fucking Nazi. Like Schindler's List or something? Yeah, like, like one a, of those. Like an officer. Officer. Like, real, like, so the charismatic thing where the other way I was thinking, like, hey, he's real pretty and, like, can talk to people, it's probably like that. Blind I hair, run the bank. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was portrayed in a movie once. It was like back in the 80s. 
Uh, the guy that played him, his name was uh, Scott Glenn. I'll show you the picture. You guys will know him. But I know the, Scott Glenn. It's this guy. Now, that's an old picture of him, but I'm sure you guys have probably yeah, seen him. Yeah, that dude had, like, just, like, brown hair, not yeah, not silver. Like, yeah, I know. But it was, it was back in the 80s, so he was portrayed in a movie once by that guy. And who was the, do you, for a little fun note, who was the movie about? Was it one of the guys that came up in this story? I'm not sure. It would almost have, it'd be pretty fucking weird if it wasn't. You can go to YouTube. Maybe I'll put it in, like, the link for the shows. Well, I just will. Yeah, I guess. I'm well, because you did. If people can hear us. Yeah. If you're hearing me, it's in there. Click that link. You can watch just the scene from that movie of the Kansas City Massacre where they end up just lighting up everybody in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's still they play it like, oh, we're here to rescue that guy. We'll shoot up the cars. Oh, damn, he's dead. Let's go. He didn't survive our mass fucking machine gun fire. Who would have thunk? So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. The standard DEFCON scale is five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the bad guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So even a five is Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping bank robber. And at one, you got the purple gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the purple gang, where would you rate Vernon Miller? Mm, There's some badness there, you know what I mean? I'm trying to gauge his body of work, and then I mean, he killed like seven cops and ten and other gangsters. He yeah, was in a definitely... couple of different massacres, and he rolled with uh, two guys with machine gun in their name, and the dean of bank robbery scholars. So I'm going, yeah, I'm gonna say like two ish. Just thinking the same thing. Not he's not a one because he's not pure evil, but if you take pop shots, even pop shots right now out right. on the corner at a speeders, <laughs> you're pretty disregarding of life. And it, then you were, like I say, you were in, in a couple of well-known massacres. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely a two. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's definitely got the body count. I think the thing that makes me keep him off of a one is a couple things. For one, it seems like at one point, and we, we don't know the whole story, but he started off as a soldier and a police officer and a sheriff. Most of the stuff we talked about happened after we a acknowledged. Point, yeah. Well, after we acknowledged that he had late stage syphilis and shit. So, you that know, it could I mean? almost be a reason for it because uh, the good guy that was there to further cement your point, after he died, Huron kind of disregarded a lot of the bad shit and said no we want to remember the good cop the soldier the so there was a base of that chili there was a good guy in the base there in the mm-hmm. recipe how like you said that how he took the dude in the woods and the dementia from the syphilis that could have been not making an excuse for him but that could have been the arc going that way but there was a genuine that like we all agree that's the only thing that kept because if he started this shit at 18 purely a one like oh, we're going yeah. through massacres rolling with yeah, he machine gun Smith, machine gun yeah. Kelly, machine gun Billy. Like, okay, you're just you're hanging out with the worst of the worst. Yeah. I mean, he was just doing bad shit, and then. The but like, came it was weird that he was so good and charismatic it. addict, but he didn't start off in the life of crime. He was a good cop, a good soldier, like a good dude. Most guys that even have a little bit of good in them aren't like pillars of society until a certain point. Then, like, you know what? At my midlife crisis, I'm just saying, fuck the world. Tupac yeah. before Tupac. I'm shooting every motherfucking thing. He's okay. wetting up parties. Goddamn. <laughs> 1902, he's wetting up parties. He invented that. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, timeline-wise, this tracks. So this is my real theory. My new theory. 
this is my old fashioned and hard seltzer theory. <laughs> I think uh, everything got off the rails when he started banging that carny. You know what I mean? That's yep. probably where it got that syphilis and shit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she was digging that money when it was fucking, you know, prohibition and robbing banks and everything was good. No syphilis. A little strychnine in his elephant ears. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I think, man. Started banging that carny and caught some shit. And yeah. Everything went went off the rails, you know? Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. So we'll do some listener feedback real quick. Now, if you go to go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, and then you leave a review, and then we'll read it on the air. Or you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com and we'll read the email. And then if you, that's if you have any comments, corrections, like recommend recommendations for guys to cover, anything like that. Uh, you can hit us up there. But today we got a review. It's our first international review from England. It's by AG45, and the subject is funny and informative, and the review says, it's worth a listen. Hey, at the end of the day, my fucking UK counterpart, my brethren in cloth, that's all we can ask for, and thank you. Sincerely, thank you. Uh, Much appreciated. You know, there ain't much to do in these times. uh, Shit. Listen to these guys, I guess, you know? No, but seriously, thank you. Like, I, I get, yeah. like, the sentiment of it. and I think he's 100% right. You know, I feel like it's, it's worth a listen. I mean, give it a listen. I don't know. You know, hey, you can't get the hour back in your life, but, like, fuck us. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm with him. It's worth a listen. So, yeah, he didn't say this is the best shit you'll ever hear. Or, hey, listen to these guys. He's, yeah, it's worth a listen. Hey, mate, I listen to these guys a little bit informative. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was free, so the price was right. <laughs> Give it a listen. It was worth it. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. And thank you, AG45. And, yes, say hello to the Bad Guy Podcast. Gracias. It's worth a listen. We're worth it. <laughs> All right, before we go, you guys got anything? Just thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> I think we got a new fan of the old fashioned. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And if if you haven't had an old fashioned, go get you one, man. You deserve it. It's Definitely. worth it. Definitely. Now make sure you go to all the show contributors. So we got Six Fo Swaino, who lets us use his music in the intro. So you can go follow him on social media, subscribe to his YouTube. We got show contributor Cancer, who did the cover art, and you can go see his graphic art at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. He also did the music, the mid-roll music, Blood. Uh, that's from his albums, Grenade, Pistols, and Rape Whistles, which I believe is free right now on Bandcamp. So go download it for free. It's good, man. So this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. No, that's not how I say it. I don't know. It'll work. I drank an old-fashioned. Thanks for coming. Hybrid! <laughs> Do 
what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. You gon' do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. You niggas be faking and fronting and playing games. Address me as nitro. Know that I'm active. I rep pie bread. Don't forget the name. You niggas is jealous. You niggas is envious. Hating ass niggas want me to lose. How can you not feel me? I'm chasing a milli. I'm getting a bag and I'm spreading the loot. From a Honda Civic to a Billy Coop. From a dented top to a chop roof. You niggas be broke. How the fuck we got problems? And how can we beef when we got nothing in common? Said you got killers. Well, fuck it. Go call them. Smoking on jet fuel and freedom. No call. First nigga from the west doing drill shit. Nitro next to blow. I got a kill switch. Can't find you. Then we hit who you deal with. Where the bum be? That's some trill shit. Always on go. I'm the fucking goat. Got a hundred flows, nigga, no joke. All the OGs showed me the ropes, and I give back. I get a hood hope. If I op want smoke, then I tell the nigga run up. I'ma go get I grind to the sun up. Nitro got next. I'm the best on the come up. You gon' do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. You gon' do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. Since a young nigga, we been getting jiggy. We gon' mob out, pop out with Slitty. I'm the king of my coast, fuck king of the city. Niggas been plotting, heard they trying to get me. And niggas been flocking, they think that we empty. Full automatics, we don't do no semis. You come through this door, you gon' get the whole 50. Swear to God, I'm the hottest nigga from the west. I need a meal off the deal, nigga, nothing. Unless, where I'm from, you had to fight to get your respect. You follow protocol, you tell them you accept. My hands been famous, nigga, quiet as kept. And all that loud shit get you a cave chest. They shooting heads, so I rock a vest. I heard karma, bitch, that got no regrets. Say what I want because this is how I feel like. Niggas gonna judge you, salute them, they still might. Niggas freestyle, I know, but I still write. Nitroactive, nigga, I push my own line. This rocket talk, you better know that it's go time. Taking a coast over, nigga, with no cosign. The homies blood, but the king crit. I'm from the west side, but got the east lit. I'm the definition of this hyper shit. You gonna do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it. You gon' do what? No, you not. Stop it. All them guns you told you never pop it. Yeah, heavy hustle when you need it, I got it. Heavy drip when I want it, I cop it. In the clubs, you rubbing on my pockets. Only trick I know is making a profit. All money in, only making deposits. Smoking on jet fuel, I'm nitro to rock it.